Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome in to the first division preview on the Breakaway Bandits podcast on the Sports Insanity Network. My name is Mike Griffin, and I am joined, as always, by Noah Tremblay and Nathan Moser. And dudes, hockey season's upon us. We're so close. Can't Can't wait. But yet so far... In the end, it doesn't even matter. I had to fall to lose it all. All right, there, Lincoln, Lincoln Park. Park. I was gonna say we're gonna do like a karaoke episode or something. Mike, no, Rifkin, but I, I have to have some fun. Mike, Mike Rifkin karaoke episode. I, but I, I yeah, no. Uh, oh, oh, we could totally make this happen. I don't know how many views we'd get, but it could happen. The season starts two weeks from yesterday. I'm and I'm uh, I'll be going to the Caps home opener. I'm excited about that. I get to watch Caps Rangers and we get to see uh, the carnage that may or may not develop from that. Oh, Tom Wilson, meet Ryan Reeves, Ryan oh, Reeves, Tom much. Wilson. That's I that's right. I don't think that that's guaranteed to happen, but I, I like the chances of that. There's going to be words exchanged for sure in that. Yeah, we're not talking Metro tonight. Tonight. We get specific in the Pacific. We're going to have fun with the Pacific. But we're going to start in Buffalo mainly to make Nate's night. Uh, The Buffalo Sabres have announced they have stripped Captain Jack Eichel of his C. This coming off the heels of Jack Eichel failing his physical amidst all of the off-season drama with his neck. Nate, one, because I love you, and two, because this is fun for me. Your thoughts on the Sabres taking away the C from Jack Eichel? You don't want to know my thoughts. No, I uh, – no. Um, no, I, I mean, I'm not – I think everyone kind of figured, I mean, when he was coming in for his physical, I mean, I even had friends back home be like, I'm surprised he's even coming in for his physical. And, you know, I mean, there was just a formality on his part. So probably wouldn't get fined or something like that, but he gets it. We all figured he wasn't going to pass it. He didn't pass it. And, um, you know, and then Adams has a press. I mean, I, it, they had the press conference early because I woke up and the press conference had already happened that they had stripped him of the captaincy. So they went and got that over with right away after, you know, the next day uh, and Adams talked about the whole thing. And, you know, again, I mean, I, I think that this was the, I mean, granted it was more official before it's like, I, I haven't had Eichel in my head on this team for months now. And so, you know, but so it's like them stripping of the captaincy. It just looks worse. I mean, like we all knew that he was eventually going to get traded, but it's just like, this was like an unnecessary part of it where it's like, you didn't have to necessarily do that. Um, but I guess I understand why they did it and from their side of it. But um, again, I mean, I'm at the point now and I've been at this point where it's like, I just need him traded. I mean, we just, this needs to stop being a story. And Mike, you said this in other podcasts episodes before where it's just like, you need, he needs to not make it to training camp. Well, here we are, and he's still there. So, um, it's no longer the here's camp. my follow up to you, because I, I've said that you shouldn't bring him to training camp. All this, 
they have no more leverage. Like his his no trade clause kicks in after this season. So the only time you can really trade him if you don't trade him now, you have a now until the trade deadline. And if he can't play because of his neck, you're not getting anything for him in return. Yeah. I it, think they've mishandled this whole thing. Right. Um and and the thing is is that and look, I you know, there's so many rumors that swirl around and some of them come from credible sources, some don't. Uh, there was a rumor, and it might have been back in July when I heard this, or August, but and I, I think I even shared it with you guys in the one group chat we're a part of, where uh, it was a Rangers offer per Larry Brooks, and it included like Georgiev and and uh, I think Zach Jones is he a defensive prospect? Mm-hmm. Uh, he was in there. Um, there were different parts in the deal, and. You weren't against the trade, I don't think. Uh, I, I mean, I don't think you were totally fond of everything you were going to give up for, but you weren't against it. You would, you would make it for Jack, and um, and it, I think it was like five pieces for Jack too. You know, including Georgiev and everything. I don't remember the entire trade, but um, you weren't against it. And I mean, I was thinking. I mean, I think you and I agreed with you both. Thought you probably weren't going to get a better deal than that. Mm-hmm. And it was from Larry Brooks that came out with the trade offer. And it's like, I'd take it because that was the latest Rangers offer. And it's like, they should have taken it. And I bet you they haven't had a trade since then. That was better than that. And, and here's the thing. Cause you, that anymore. you, you and I've had this conversation. I feel like we're leaving Noah abandoned for right now. That's fine. But you you, you, you can in whenever you want, Noah. This is- you and I've had this conversation and you said, well, I'm not giving Jack up for nothing. And you said Lafreniere and Kako, and I go. The Rangers aren't making that deal. I didn't. Whoa, 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 whoa! I didn't say both. I no, no. I said or. I said yeah. Well, Lafreniere, Kako. That's was, where you were starting from. Yeah, no, well, no. I it was it was Lafreniere would have been like the centerpiece, and then it was whatever else right. you could do right. Make. And say the Rangers were never going to make that that offer. I think the the Rangers. I think have changed too, and I think the Rangers. I'm not saying the Rangers are out because things can change in the matter of a, a phone call. But I don't think the Rangers are going to go get $10 million in Jack Eichel and then go pay Mika Zibanejad what Mika Zibanejad's going to want because then the cap situation is going to influx quickly. I just think they – I think Buffalo misread this whole thing because this deal should have been done at one of two places. This deal should have – realistically, if a deal for Jack Eichel should have been done, it should have been done at the draft. Mm-hmm. And it should have been whatever we can get. Like like the if Vegas made an offer of Peyton Krebs, Riley Smith, whatever that offer was, take that. Riley Smith can play now. Peyton Krebs may not be the player you think he is right now, but he could still develop. You're going to get a late first because Vegas is probably going to be good. Yeah, it was that deal was Krebs, Riley Smith, uh, Nick Haig, one of their defensive younger yeah. guys in a first round pick. Right. Do it. You're getting something in there. I don't, at this point, unless someone from out of nowhere just makes an offer, makes a, an offer, a godfather offer of you can't refuse it. Well, yeah. And, and it just doesn't make any the, sense of, Sabres, 
Sorry, Mike, go ahead. I you kind of oh lie different thing. No, if if you get that offer, Godfather offer, if you can't refuse it, you do it. Now I think the Sabres are stuck in limbo because if Jack's got to undergo this neck surgery and you can't deal him by the deadline, he dictates A where he goes and B what you're gonna get because he that team knows he only wants to go here or here or here. He's not he's in total control. Well, and, and but that and that's been the thing. That's been the theme of this whole entire saga. You know, I mean, this is like the what like this has been going on for what months, if not years, with no, Eichel. It's only, it's only been months, really. So, but okay, so really, but all these months, but every single time we came on and we talked about this thing, what was it? It was another misstep by the Sabres. And you know, they they screwed up this whole surgery thing. <laughs> then they do um they had like the press conferences and stuff where they just like called them out and stuff. Now you do this and like Mike said, like Mike, like you said, you wait this long on a player, you gotta trade him when the iron's hot. You can't wait so long to where the guy loses all that, you know, enticing stuff for right now. Because a lot of teams right now, Mike and Nate, they they probably have their rosters ready to go for a week from next Tuesday. Mm-hmm. So they're not gonna be ready to be trading for someone right now. Well, especially especially because you're giving up like he I think I heard somewhere that he needs to have surgery at this point, like re like like rehabbing longer an option based on how long they waited. So you're you're trading assets that could help you currently for a guy who wouldn't even be ready for the season. So that like and we don't know when he would be ready. We don't know when he would be ready. He might have to miss all this year. Yeah. And and it's you know, it's. And any team that trades for him in the offseason is going to want medicals and this and that. Yep. All of a sudden, that's another thing in, that could hinder this whole thing. I know it was a previous regime. Like, I mean, it was the same ownership, but it, but I know that it was a different general manager. But I, I think ownership probably saw what happened with the Ryan O'Reilly thing. And they're like, okay, well, we kind of rushed him out the door and we didn't get enough for him. And they really didn't get anything for him. And then, you know, he goes, wins the cup with the blues and wins all those awards and everything like that. And I think management and I think ownership got scared and they're like, okay, well, now we have to get rid of Jack. We cannot just give him up. We can't rush a deal and not get enough for him because. But they waited way they waited way too long now. Well, see, that's the thing is you got to have a, like a balance here. There's a line that you have to walk with this. You don't want to wait. You don't want to give him up for nothing, but you also don't wait too long either. So you take the you wait a little while, but then you take the best deal. If Larry Brooks, Larry Brooks, I trust to a certain extent here that he it, it's not just pulling this out of nowhere. If this deal that he said in July, August, or whatever is true that the Rangers offered this to the Sabres, why didn't they take it? It's like five pieces. And they were all like first round-ish pieces. Or even or even the Vegas one, because I know isn't that one confirmed that they offered them that? The Vegas well, both both I think were somewhat I mean, both were somewhat credible sources or whatever, but yeah, like the one, the one was the hockey news was the Vegas one that they talked about where it was Smith. Krabs, Should have taken one of them. I would have taken the Rangers one. I would have. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that that was the best thing for the Rangers to take. I know that the Rangers, 
Twitter is pretty much back and forth on whether Eichel is necessary or not. I think the Mika Zibanejad thing is very, a very crucial point of a talking point when it comes to that, because you're going to want to pay him a lot of money. And, you know, there's a controversy that comes with trading for Eichel. And then you built a really good foundation with these younger guys. And what you're going to just give it all away. I mean, you know, for Jack, he's going to have neck surgery. It's, and it's just, it just continues the theme. Like I said, a more mismanagement by the Sabres. That's just been the running theme. The reason I'm wearing a Bills hat currently. Here's my thing. And this is where I spot the blame on ownership. Kevin Adams is a first-time general manager. You have to have someone with experience working with him during this time. Because now he's between a rock and a hard place. And th- this is the problem I have with most of what the Sabres have done over the last three to four years. It goes longer than that, but I'm talking about within the Eichel era. Is they are so trigger happy to make deals one way. And then they are very quick to either give it up or they're very quick to say, okay, this totally works. We're going to do this. I.e., giving Jeff Skinner that contract he's got, i.e., Ryan O'Reilly trade. These are things that take time. You have to find. Listen, I know chemistry is a hard thing to find. But if one thing doesn't work for one year, go back to the drawing board. Let's see how we can fix certain things. The Sabres problem is they have some really bad contracts. Scanner, Kyle Oposo, which is one I, I will never, ever forget. Those are the two bad, real bad ones. But you look at other guys like Moser Sugar guys, Zemgis Gergensens. There's, there's so much money poured into other pieces that you don't need to pour money into. And that's why your top doesn't look as fancy as it should, or you can't get the help Jack needs. We're talking Pacific tonight. We're going to talk about the Oilers. I think the Oilers are doing a disservice to McDavid and Dreisaitl by what they did this offseason, and we'll talk about that. When you have a star player, you make that star happy because that is the way – a, you get fans in the seats, but B, it's what's best for your team because he can draw guys in for you. Yeah. Do no, you know I, what? Do you know why guys want to go play for the Rangers? They wanted to play with Henrik Lundqvist. Mm-hmm. They wanted need- to go play with you know for this team that. Met- it's also New York City. There's the original. Right. There, okay. Bad, bad example. Why do you think guys want to go to Pittsburgh and play with Crosby? Yeah. You know, that's that's a better one. Yeah. Okay. You know, I, why do you think guys want to go Chicago, play with Taze and Kane? Mm-hmm. Star players bring more star players. Right. That was, see, that was why, that was the, the argument that I've made before because. Like Jerome McGinley is a classic example of that when he left the flames and then he went to Pittsburgh and he goes, I wanted to play with Crosby. And it's like, that was what the thrill, it wasn't just getting a star player during the McDavid Eichel tank, 
it was you're getting one of these guys and you're not only getting the star power that was undeniable from both of them. I mean, obviously McDavid was better, but uh, to say the least, but they both brought a certain level of skill, but then it was also, okay, well, who else could, who else wants to come in and play with these guys? Because that's mm-hmm. another aspect of it too. But you, you know, Mike, you mentioned the Gergensen's thing and, and um, I think that's a prime example. It's just, I question I just don't know how how the the talent evaluation can be as questionable as it is because you see the players that pass and fail the eye test and Gergensen's fails the eye test. And granted this year, he didn't even play because he was hurt the entire time, but he probably wouldn't have put up that probably would have barely put any numbers up, you know, and Reinhardt, they kept signing him to these one-year contracts. And he deserved a long-term deal and he passed the eye test. And look, if you want to put analytics in there and everything like that, I'm not against analytics or anything like that. I know there's people that are, I'm not against analytics, but look, stat sheet wise, Reinhardt with how bad the Sabres were this year, he was one of the bright spots mm-hmm. and he left. And the thing is, is he, this shouldn't have even been an issue because he should have just been here. Been like, locked up. Long term, and granted, we could also be having the conversation that you know he could be up, he could have like three more years left on his deal, and he still wants to be traded because if Jack goes, he goes. But you know, it, it's just we that's a different conversation. But he, he his contract is up. Well, now it's not because he signed with Florida, but it was up, mm-hmm. and he should have signed a three year deal like he did in Florida. Well, they offered to him, offered. If you play well, or if, if you're a player and you see what's going on and you see there's a bright side, he would sign. Instead, you lowball him with these one-year offers, and he's saying, I've got a bet on me every year. No, I don't want to play here. There's no reason for me because you don't believe in me. Why should I believe in you? And I think that's more of a testament to ownership, more against ownership than is Kevin Adams. I, I, it's been ownership. Ownership's been the problem for the last however many years. We can, we, and Nate, you brought up Reinhardt. I'll give you another one. Linus Olmark was a bright spot last year. Yeah, and I was. And, and, I was, and listen, who's playing goal this year? Craig Anderson. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Now I, I'm not saying Linus Olmark's worth the money the Bruins gave him. But you couldn't come with a compete offer? What is that? Supposedly they were trying to sign him, but I I, there were rumors that he wasn't gonna just he wasn't even gonna bother signing with us anyway. So um, but the thing I mean that I just thought that it was that you know Hutton and Olmark go and then um I think it was uh Vogel uh of the of the athletic or whatever, he posted an empty net and he goes, the Sabres owe a starter for the this upcoming season, just an empty net. Um, but you know, I mean, that's the thing too, is that you have Craig Anderson and I'm guessing Lukanen's going to come up and be the backup because I think Anderson had retired and then two weeks later signed with the Sabres. And the only reason that he signed with the Sabres is because he wanted to mentor Lukanen, uh, cause Anderson's Anderson's going to be the starting goal and he's 40 years old. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, I mean, come on. It's just, I mean, we look, Elliot Friedman basically said that there's no surprise whatsoever. Coyotes and Sabres are tanking for right. I'm not touching any of that. See, see, here's the thing 
Uh, and here's where I give the Coyotes credit because at least the Coyotes are taking some shots with some guys who weren't necessarily fun or weren't thought of well outside of where they were. Like Shane Gostaspear, that's a that's a good chance to take. That's a guy who can play in the league right now, and he's got a lot of upside to him. The Sabres don't make deals like that. But that's a, that's a whole other problem. I, I think, look, I think at the end of the day, I think we said it earlier, and when we can wrap this part of the, the podcast up now, I, uh, I, I, it it's, comes down ownership. I, and you look at the – I know this, isn't, this is a hockey podcast only, but you have, when you talk about the Pagoulas, you have to talk about the Bills because the Bills, they got right. But I, you know, and some people think that they lucked into McDermott and Bean, and that's very possible that they lucked into that, that they're not the best when it comes to evaluating management, and they just happen to hit two home runs. And granted, I'm sure it helped that both of them were in the same organization with the Carolina Panthers, but, you know, they got home runs with both of them. So, you know, now all the bills are good because they have people that know what they're doing in command where, look. A lot of people like Renato and Paul Hamilton, who covers the Sabres for WGR, tweeted the other day. He goes, he basically was like, he was in like awe because Granado was the first coach to stop practice in years because he didn't like the effort that was on the on ice product. Now, that's disgusting. The fact that that's like a tweet that we have to have, the fact that a coach stopped practice because he didn't like what he saw, but that the coaches before him, the last few coaches didn't do that. How soft are the coaches that you picked out that they don't even criticize the on ice product during practices? When pucks are you say how soft are the coaches? How so how soft are the players? Mm-hmm. Oh, or how so, how soft is or how soft is ownership in the fact of we don't want our players to be yelled at. What is this? I, I think it's, at the end, I think at the end of the day, um, no, I'll let you say your thing, and then we can wrap this part of it up. I I think it's just comes down to the fact it comes down to ownership, and they got they whether they lucked into it or not with football, they they got it right in football. In hockey, they don't they might have it right with Granado. Granado might be the right coach, but if that's the case, just talk that they lucked into that too. And that they don't have, and that people are questioning the GM that they have in place. Here's the thing: whether Adams likes it or not, this is what he. This is the reality of the situation. He is going to be defined by the Eichel trade. It's mm-hmm. it. it. Whether in and it's on. You know, you said rock in a hard place, and that's true because the Eichel trade is going to be what he's remembered for. Yep. And the way that everything's played out, he's pretty much almost guaranteed to lose that. Now he is. Yeah. Yeah. And so, okay pretty screwed yeah the 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 sabers are running at the top and it that when you're running at the top it spreads to the whole entire team the coach won't get into it the players will become slower that's just how it is i i want to make it clear i also offered nate enough cardboard cutouts to fill out the arena for jack eichel and he declined that one also i i want them to see the mbs seats Okay, so one word answer quickly, and then we can move on to the Pacific Division. Is that do they name a captain this year? And is no. it Dali? No, um, no, they don't. Um, 
I think Cousins will eventually get the captain role. Um, I, I think he, he shows heart now. I mean, just in his interviews and everything like that. I mean, he got into like two or three fights last year when no one else seemed like they like gave a crap. Uh, and he, I mean, he very much has already stated he wanted to be, he wanted to be the, the next heart and soul of the team. And there was a tweet that there was a, uh, someone was interviewed. I think it was Casey Middlestad. Middlestad texted Cousins when the, the Lightning were skating around with the cup and he goes, I want one of those. And it's like, look, you know, Eichel and Reinhardt and, and Ristolainen are all leaving and things are toxic, but these young, younger kids, they still want it. They, you know, Middlestad wants it. Darlene just signed a three-year deal um, with the team. Cousins wants it. The, the As toxic as things were, these younger guys were only around for the tail end of it. And we can start, look, it, it's going to take a long, long, long time, but we can start with these guys to turn it around, at least on the on-ice product. And it's going to take a lot, and they're probably going to lose a lot of games because of management, but it, it's it's – younger kids got to do what they got to do. Darlene's part of it. Cousins is part of it. Middlestad's part of it. I expect Cousins to be the captain in a couple years. Um, and last last thing on ownership is um, I they are the, I've said this multiple times on this podcast, they're the constant variable throughout all of this. And I think that at this point in time, because of just how things have gone in the 10 years that they've owned the team, I think they need to sell. And supposed and supposedly they're strapped for money and everything like that between both teams. You sell the Sabers because you can keep the Bills because you've made it work. Sell the Sabers and use that money towards the new stadium for the Bills, paying new people. Allen's got his contract and everything like that that they're going to have to pay. Uh, focus on the football team because you've made that work, and let somebody else buy the Sabers and turn them around. Great one word answer, fun. Nate. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm just, I know. I'm just messing. I'm just messing. I wanted, I wanted to make that last point on ownership because I do think that they need to sell. Focus yeah. on the football. They own. They do that anyway. So yeah. All right. All right. We'll move on from the drama in Buffalo because that's going to be a season-long thing. Let's dive into the main reason we're here. We're going to get specific in the Pacific, guys, because last year we had realignment due to COVID issues and constraints. So we're going back to regular divisions, except the Pacific's not going to be how it was. Out are the Arizona Coyotes. And strolling in for 2021, people in Seattle, what's cracking? The Kraken will debut this year. Actually, they're, they're going to be the second game of a doubleheader on ESPN opening night, playing the Golden Knights. So, Which, by fun. the way, you couldn't – like, great job, NHL. That is the perfect opening game. That yeah. is perfect. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great one. I, well, Penguins lightning opens, and then that's the second game. So, all right. Let, let's, let's get started in the Pacific. We'll, we'll go alphabetical order. But just to educate you guys, here are the 2019 standings in the Pacific Division. The Flames won it. The Sharks finished in second, followed by the Golden Knights, Coyotes, Canucks, Ducks, Oilers, Kings. How will 2021 pan out? I'll tell you this much. The Coyotes will not finish in fourth. 
that much, I could tell you. That much we could guarantee. We can guarantee that one. Confirm. I also don't think they'll finish fourth in the Central, but that's a whole other division we'll talk about later. Another episode. That's another episode. Let's start with the Anaheim Ducks, who in 2020 went 17-30-9 in the 56-game season. Listen, we, we can go on and on about the Ducks. Here's the deal. They're rebuilding. Their biggest move this offseason was re-signing Ryan Getzlev to a one-year contract. Just watch the young kids play in Anaheim. That's what this year is about. Let the young guys play. Right, Nate? Yeah. There's really no other way. Really not much to say. There's really not much to say about them. It's let the young guys play, and that's pretty much it. Listen, we're going to get more Trevor Zegris and Jamie Drysdale. Both had three goals in 24 games last year. John Gibson, you know what you're getting. I want to make a statement on him in a minute. The trade deadline is where the Ducks are going to either have a really good future or we're going to be totally baffled. They have three impending unrestricted free agents. Winger Ricard Raquel and defenseman Hampus Lindholm Josh Manson. All free agents. Now, I'm not saying you sell them all three, but Ricard Raquel is going to go somewhere because you're going to get a good piece for a guy who could score goals. And one of these two defensemen could fetch Anaheim some nice pieces that, let's be honest, they could really use to go along with some of their young talent that they've got. But here's my thing, and and Nate, I think you'll back me up on this. John Gibson's at 28 years old, I believe. I don't know if you can keep him around for the good years of the Ducks' future, because I don't know how long that's going to be. Yeah, no, first of all, he is 28 years old. And second of all, I agree with you entirely. He's in his prime now. And and by the, I would move him now. I would move him. By the time by the time they'll be ready to go to be competitive again within the division and fighting for a playoff spot. He's You're looking gonna, at three or three years? Uh yeah, three years sounds about right. I think three years would be maybe about when that there's so many teams that can use him. Yeah, and, I and can the, think of one in Pittsburgh. You're wasting his prime when you're not ready. And the thing is, is like, look, I'm sure he, I'm sure he's a fan favorite in Anaheim. I'm, you know, I'm sure his teammates love him. But you got to do what's best for him. And and this just isn't gonna. You're wasting his prime where he can potentially go help a team win a cup in these next two years or three years. He could win a cup before. Before they, uh, before they're even competitive again, we're talking about a guy who's probably going to be on the U.S. Olympic team. He's going to be one of the three goalies, I would think. Him and Connor Hellebuck are probably two of the three. But I, I mean, at this point, I, I you just move them. You, Right now, you're not trying to win now. I, I know that's hard to say with a Ryan Getzlav on your roster. But it's time. Just go. I just uh, I just looked because I'm on the Ducks website just looking at the roster or whatever, and I just saw where Gibson's from. 
It's from Pittsburgh. And I immediately just pictured him in a penguin sweater. Yeah, that I'm makes like, so much – that I'm one makes a lot of – happen, but I'm just like, oh, oh, no, if he's in Pittsburgh, <laughs> if he's no. their goalie. That, that makes a ton of sense. That'd be huge. I, I mean – I mean, they're in the same division, but Edmonton can use a goalie. We'll talk mm-hmm. about them in a few minutes. That's not going to happen. That's never going to happen, no. Um, yeah, I mean, you mentioned. I mean, you mentioned it. I mean, it, it, it's basically going to be just. I mean, the only move they made was re-signing Getzloff. I mean, at this point, the guy's just the guy is just staying there because his career's. You know, he's going to retire a duck. You know, I mean, he's going to be one of the best to ever play for their organization. So he's just writing it out. Um, but it's about these younger guys. Um, I mean, you mentioned uh, Zegris. Uh, Troy Terry's another guy. Um, Max Comtois. Comtois, yeah. Um, Damn you know, Steele. Um, you mentioned Steele Drysdale. Yeah. Uh, I said Terry. Um, yeah, so you, you got all these younger guys or whatever. Um, and that's, that's what it's about is just, you know, you know, and, and all these guys are like 22, 23, 24. So they're all going to hit their stride in their prime around the same time. So that's going to be huge for them. It's just going to be trying to build around those guys. And that's what it's about. You know, when the gets and the, you know, I know Henrique is still there, you know, when the Henriques, when those guys are all gone and Gibson should be traded because, He's just not in that age range. When they all hit their prime, you know, then, uh, you know, and you He's build 32, 33. Huh? He'll be 32, 33 in that span. Yeah. And, and he needs to not be anywhere near Anaheim at that point in time. So, <clears throat> yeah, I try to think of other play Pittsburgh. I know Detroit just signed Nadelkovich, but I would have said Detroit. Yeah. Um, oh, Colorado. Mm. That oh, that's a good. I one. know they made the camper move, but if camper doesn't pan out, I, I they could easily camper. pull that trigger. Oh yeah, yeah. They, yeah, they went and got camper, but come on, are you picking camper over Gibson? Like I would still. Make I it. wouldn't. No. Wait, wait, you say you would? No, I wouldn't. Oh yeah, yeah. No, all right. That's the Ducks. Now we move to the Flames, who won this division in 2019. In 2020, they went 26, 27, and 3. In March, they made a coaching change. Jeff Ward out. Daryl Sutter and his co- tireless act of comedy back in. All right. What, Nate, the Flames are, I think they're one of the more intriguing teams coming into this year because this could be really fun. Or this could be really – this can go one way or the other pretty quick. Right. And, I mean, you look at uh, – I mean, obviously you have the core pieces that are there. You got your Monahans, You got your Goudreaux and, um, you know, and, and, and obviously those guys are, are always very big contributors for them. Matthew Kachuk, obviously. I mean, there were rumors about Kachuk being traded. Uh, in the off season that didn't happen. Um, they brought in, they brought in some interesting names. I love the Coleman edition uh, that they got from Tampa. Um, I think, I mean, just everything that he brings in his game, his speed. And I mean, like, I mean, I still have his diving goal 
embedded in my brain uh, from the playoffs. Um, sorry, Noah. Great uh, play by future Ranger Barkley Goodrow. Yeah, they, exactly. Uh, but Backland and those guys and everything like that. They also signed a good Branson, uh, you know, which is, you know, an interesting move. Signed uh, Jacob Marks from last year. Brought in Nikita Zadorov. Um, I see there's a prospect named Cameron Why Not, and I hope he makes the team now because of Why that. Why not? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um you know, and and then I think uh, Dan Vladar is, I'm assuming, is going to be their backup to Markstrom in net because uh, he was playing straight up for the Bruins last I saw. So Darth Vladar, <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, they're as you said, I mean, it's almost a bit of a coin flip for them because you know that you wouldn't be surprised either way if all of a sudden they got their crap together and they're like you know doing pretty well or all of a sudden you know the ship sinks you know and they're out of it early so i mean and i i think a lot of it rests on markstrom and net you know when he plays well calgary does well and i think obviously pay them the money they pay them the money to do this and I was impressed with him last season. I mean, 22 wins, 19 losses, two draws, uh, uh, or two, over, overtime. Two, two overtime losses. Yep. Sorry. Uh, yep, with it, with a 2.6 goals against average 904 save, uh, save percentage. He played well. If he can no. play just a little bit better, the Calgary phase could be dangerous. And two, two things I'm looking for from Calgary. One, Johnny Gaudreau. Are we going to get good Johnny or is Johnny not going to be a flame long-term because he's another one up at the end of the season. Do you extend him? Do you look at trading him? Who who knows? The other thing, that blue line. Mark Giordano is no longer there. He went to Seattle in the expansion draft. So who on that line is going to, on the blue line steps up? That's something to watch for. But I just thought that some of the names Nate read off who they brought in, including Blake Coleman, these are polar opposites, Nate, of what Johnny Gaudreau is. So I wonder if Daryl Sutter is trying, not trying to, but we know he's putting his mark on this team. And where does that leave a Johnny Gaudreau? Right. Mm-hmm. He's one of the more interesting players to watch on this team. Yeah, he, he's very interesting this year for Johnny Hockey. Well, that you brought up a good point because when when you when they made the coaching move and they brought him in, you you said I think in the first podcast when we announced that that move had officially happened, you were surprised because you're like this team isn't for him at all. Mm-hmm. Well, now they played he- with speed, energy, and they weren't. As big as they got this offseason. Well, yeah, exactly. And now you're seeing you're seeing what happened. Oh, well, this team isn't really built for what he tries to do. Well, now he's trying to mold that in there. And then you you have a star player who doesn't totally fit exactly what he's trying to build in Goudreau. And you're coming up in a crucial year uh, for him and his hockey career. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to see because, it's, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me at this point if, you know, especially with the rumors that have already circulated for a couple years, you know, is he out the door? Could very well happen at the deadline. Mm-hmm. And it's going to depend on where the Flames place. But 
Listen, you can't talk about one Alberta team without going to the other. The Edmonton Oilers enjoyed success in 2020, going 35-19-2 and in the regular season. Oh, yeah, they played four games in the playoffs, but you wouldn't know it. They got swept by the Winnipeg Jets. All right. Kenny Holland, I'm diving in right away. You signed Zach Hyman from the Leafs to a seven-year, $38.5 million contract. You gave Ryan Nugent Hopkins eight years, $41 million. And you trade for the Duncan Keith contract. That one I'm not going to go after just because of why Duncan Keith came over. That's understandable. Ryan Nugent Hopkins at eight times a little bit more than five. I, I don't like these contracts that the Oilers gave that. Even the Darnell Nurse resigning. I know Darnell Nurse is coming off a great year. Career year for Darnell Nurse. I'm not giving him over nine. The, the, the point of you have to build a team. McDavid makes, I think it's 12-5. Mm-hmm. Something like that. Actually, you know what? It is 12-5. 12-5. Okay, Dreisaitl makes his. Now, all of a sudden, Ryan Nugent Hopkins makes eight, whatever. Hyman's going to make five-something. Just double-check my numbers really quick. But we're looking at this and saying, okay, how does the rest of this balance itself out? And I just don't like the Oilers and where we're, where we're at. I think eventually, and, and the people of Edmonton are not going to like McDavid makes 12-5, Dreisaitl 8-5, Hyman 5-5, Nugent Hopkins 5.125. Okay, so now Nurse is going to make – Nurse's contract kicks in next year at 9-2. Five, but Duncan Keats on the board 5.5, Barry at 4.5. These aren't good contracts because eventually what's going to happen – now, I know everyone's going to say, Mike, the cap's going to rise in a couple of years. They'll be fine. They'll be fine. No, we're not going to be fine. Because eventually, look at the, look at some of the names. The Warren Fogle deal I actually like. That's a good deal. But I, I have to rely on Kyle Turris, Josh Archibald. Pooley Arvey had a really good year. I need to see him get do it again before I say, okay, he's a – He's a guy who could actually play in this league. But the real problem I have with the Oilers is they didn't upgrade the one thing they should have upgraded. The fact that we are leaning, you're going to lean on Mike Smith at 39, who's, who went 21-6-2 with a 2-3-1 goals against and a 9-23 save percentage of three shutouts. And Miko Koskinen, who was 13-13 with a 3-1-7 and an under 900 save percentage. You're rolling with that. And Alex Stalock. And Alex Stalock. Are, are we kidding? You could have made – you could have made the Darcy Kemper trade. You could have – I don't think you would have gotten flurry. But you could have done something to say, hey, we think we, we – we, that was the one position. Right. That should have been your number one priority was a goalie, not Zach Hyman, not Ryan Nugent Hopkins, a goalie. You know why? Because I can score 20 to 25 goals playing next to Connor McDavid. 
Right. And Nate might be able to score 20 to 25 goals scoring next to Connor and, McDavid. And that's the thing is that Connor McDavid can be as great as he is, but if you're not defending the net well, you're not going to win games because, yeah, you'll put up four, but your opponent will put up five. And that was the case against Winnipeg in the playoffs. Yeah, they were scoring, but the problem was Winnipeg was scoring more. No, Connor Hellebuck was the difference. That, that's a team with a goalie. You don't have that. Looking, listen, Connor, Connor McDavid might have been the third best Connor on the ice during the Oilers Jet series. Connor Halbuck would be one. Kyle Connor would have been two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I mean, like you said, I mean, Mike Smith is thirty nine years old. Um, Amico you know, Koskinen shops at Costco. <laughs> yeah, Koskinen is another one where it's like they brought him in, and it's like, oh well, you know, and then it's like they just like you have the Smith Koskinen duo, and it's like, oh, you're gonna you're gonna maybe uh, maybe address that? Nope. We're gonna keep it and uh, keep it going. We're gonna bring Staylock in just just to make things a little bit spicier. Sign Brayden Holtby. Give me something. Give me someone. Nope, nothing. Oh well. Yeah, are they? Um, they're they're yeah. Well, I mean, you mentioned obviously we talked about them, but they they're not gonna get Gibson because Anaheim won't do that in the division. So. I want you want you to think about this. We play. They played a fifty-six game season last year across the NHL. Connor McDavid had hundred and five points. Leandre Seidel finished with eighty-four. Those were your top two point scores across the NHL last year, and that team got swept in the first round. And you didn't think it was necessary to upgrade the goaltending. There, there was a, there was a. Uh, Where's Dwayne Rollison when you need him? Yeah, really. <laughs> um, yeah, Twitter. Someone on Twitter uh, put out a poll: who, who is, who is the worst GM, uh, Holland or Shirelli? The answer is still Peter Shirelli, of course. But, but the fact that this is a conversation or a Twitter poll is bad. Makes makes me angry. This yeah. isn't, yeah. Well, I mean, Edmonton's not getting Detroit Red Wings, you know, uh, Ken Holland. You know, I was trying to, you know, off the front man or something. I was trying to figure out a title for him that make him sound like a legend because he kind of was a legend in those rosters he threw together. Yeah. Right. But now it's like, what, what is he, a shell of himself? Why can't he put this roster together? Are these contracts of Dry Sidle and McDavid that bad in trying to get? Probably not. I'd like to think it's not. Work around it. You're a good GM. You can figure it out. You just gave Hyman five and a half million dollars. Yep. So, and that's that's the one. Like I know what Zach Hyman is. I think he's an energy guy. If you want to put him in the top six, go ahead. Put him in the top six. But he's not a 30 goal guy. That's not his game. I just don't, I don't get it. I don't, I don't get it. Same old Edmonton. Well, same old Edmonton, but a new look Los Angeles Kings team. 2020, they went 21, eight and seven. Third straight season of missing the playoffs. After missing the playoffs for the third straight season, star defense and Drew Daddy said, quote, as a team, we need to be better and get better. That's not just on the players. Close quote. 
general manager Rob Blake took that and said, you're right, Drew. There's no doubt about that. So Rob Blake decided to call the Nashville Predators. I'm going to add Victor Arvidsson to the top six. Last year, 10 goals, 25 points in 50 games. Career, 127 goals and 239 points and 385 games. And then Noah, close your ears. Because Rob Blake said, you know what? I'm not done. I'm going to – I don't know, but I'm going to sign Philip Deneau to a six-year, $33 million contract because he said, you know what? I'm going to take the pressure off my captain, Andre Kopitar. Philip Deneau doesn't have to score for me, but he's going to help me on the PK and winning face-offs. That's what, and that's what I wanted. That's all he did in Montreal. Like when, when they went on that cup run last year, or, or not cup, but the, the to the cup, yeah, to the, they, to they the cup the finals, they to go to the cup finals last year. Philip Deneau was a huge part of that because he oh, is absolutely. a he's a huge defensive uh, minded forward. He would what take the top. top, he would take the top player in any. Any line, whether that be Tampa Bay, whether that be Vegas, whether that be the Jets, and he would shut that person down. Yeah. Well, think about it like this. They play – well, all that we just talked about. They play Edmonton. I could put – if they don't play together, I could put Kopitar against McDavid, or I could put Deneau against McDavid, and I could have Kopitar go up against dry side. Here's the thing, Mike. I- oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I'm good with either one of those matchups. And here's the other thing: like, is like you said that Dano doesn't have to score for me, but he can. Yeah, he had five goals, 24 points in 53 games last year. Career 55 goals, and the next point he scores will be 200 in the NHL. He, he's so never. He can play. He's never been. I mean, look. I don't know if he's ever going to win the Selkie trophy, but I mean, the fact that there have been articles written about how he should be in consideration, I think tells you all that you need to do that. You need to know. Yeah. Or is known for being one of, for being a a solid defensive forward in the league. And that's, it's perfect. It's awesome. The problem is he plays in the air with Patrice where Patrice Bergeron exists. Exactly. Mm -hmm. But the question Uh, is how much longer does Patrice Bergeron play? Well, we can. That's another podcast. No, no, yeah. right. Um, let me let me throw a question to you two to either wrap this up or just keep going here with the Kings. Did they have the best off season? Oh, uh, they're up there for me. Yeah, I, they're up there. I don't. They're I, up there. I don't know if they're one, but they're they're up there. I, I mean, I love what they did. I love what the Lightning did. That's a whole nother conversation i um, i want I, I need to express my appreciation for the arvidson move too because I oh think yeah was was super solid i've been a super i've been a big arvidson fan ever since like 2016 2017 obviously he i mean the 2017 playoffs were were a big part of why i you know really started to love his game um but i mean i mean the speed the hands you know just what he brings I, I think it, it, it's perfect for, you know, trying to retool the Kings and stuff like that. And, um, and then obviously, I mean, you know, just to kind of talk about other moves that they brought in, we mentioned to um, they brought in Alex Edler. I mean, he, he's 35 years old. He's a veteran guy. It's, it's, was it a one-year deal or something like that? Yeah. That's 
just he you know he can he could be a nice locker room guy he can help some of these younger defensemen uh you know maybe kind of, help that second power play unit yeah yeah so he you know he's not gonna he's not vancouver canuck in his prime Sadler, but uh, I never thought I'd see the day where he was actually going to leave either. So it's kind of interesting that that happened, but um, you know, he'll be a, he'll be a nice veteran guy for some of the younger uh, guys in the locker room. Listen, and the Kings have these, a nice mix now veterans, younger guys who are coming in, Adrian Campe, Gabe Velarde. Here's the, the, the key to everything on in LA. If Jonathan Quick is Jonathan Quick, look out because mm-hmm. the Kings would be back. Quick last year, 11, 9, and 2, 2.86 goals against, 8.98 save percentage, two shutouts. I mean, you're talking about a guy who gave up almost three goals. That was it. If you could score more than two goals, Jonathan Quick could get you a W if you're the LA Kings. Yep. That's how good he still is. But but yeah, as what to what Noah said, the, I think they did have one of the best off seasons. I really firmly believe that it's. I think Drew Dowdy put Rob Blake and everyone in that front office on notice, and they're like, you know what, he's right. Yeah, you, only, you only have so much time in primes. I know Dowdy has a ridiculous contract. So does Anje Kopitar. But there's only they're only at that peak for so long mm-hmm. that eventually their stats are going to dwindle and people are going to be like, well, they still make this much money. They're not performing like it. Well, you pay them for what they've done in the past also, not just what they're doing now and in the future. You pay them for the two previous cups also. Mm-hmm. But now the Kings, I think the Kings, have. I don't think they're a playoff team yet. But they're, they're gonna be a very tough team. Yeah, they're very good. Mm-hmm. All right. Last team in California. We're talking sharks. 2020, 21, 8, and 7. Look, we went on about the sharks before we we started recording. If you want to know what the sharks have, they have a lot of contracts. Mm-hmm. A lot of outrageous contracts go to their cap friendly look at the brent burns contract mark edward vlasic contract eric carlson you know vander kane who i really don't want to get into yeah we we don't that's another that's another that's that's a whole nother episode of the podcast but logan could share I don't know what to make of the Sharks. Like, I know they're trying to incorporate some young guys with the veterans, but it's just like the, the cap hits make it hard for me. Mm-hmm. T- Tomas Hurdle's a free agent after the season. He's probably out. I mean, they bought out Martin Jones, which what the hell took you so long? <laughs> Listen, I... If you know one thing about me, and I'm, I don't understand how Martin Jones got away with robbing the Sharks of all the money he did. But again, now you're going with 
They trade with the Coyotes for Aiden Hill, who's only played in 49 games. 25 years old. Yeah. I, I mean, you're taking a chance on a 25-year-old. It's worth it. And James Reimer. James Reimer. I did not know James Reimer was still around either. Yep. He, uh, he just Toronto Maple Leafs legend. So that's the uh, that looks to be the goaltending tandem is Reimer and Hill. Wonderful. Beautiful. Wonderful. Yeah, Good for you, San Jose. San Jose. I, have, fun, you know have, fun, have fun the seller of the division. Listen, listen. All I'm going to say is, Eric Carlson, I hope you stay healthy. I do. You were healthy most of last year. Stay healthy. You still have great hair. Yeah, the uh, the moves that they uh, and then obviously they brought in uh, Nick Benino and Andrew Cogliano. Uh, they must they must love former Anaheim Ducks. Um, you know that they brought well, the, them. The, that fills out your fourth line: Cogliano and uh, Benino. Third line, fourth line, and then Reimer. Um, and uh, and then obviously they got they and then they they acquired uh, Nick Merkley from the Devils, um, who I don't know if he's gonna I know he's I don't know if he's actually gonna play for them or not. He might just be. Um, and, then, body. and then they drafted William Eklund, and I I, I mean I he's he's um, he's shown to an extent he was the seventh overall pick in twenty twenty one. I don't know if he really even sees action for the Sharks, but. Um, but uh, they they got him on here for that. So, but he's at least a bright spot for their future. Mm. All right. Now it's time. Two weeks from yesterday, for the first time, Seattle has a hockey team. No, you've ruined the joke. I was going to oh, say Seattle. Stop. Seattle cracked the NHL barrier. Oh my God! I'm glad I interrupted that joke. Oh, so I'm demoralizing. Happy. Mike, all of these jokes are the same. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, listen, listen. I really don't care what you think. They're not as much of a joke as the team we talked about to open the show. So. What am I supposed to be offended by that? Yeah, I'm you're not. a Sabres fan. All right. I'm numb to them. Dude, we got to stop with Nick Lincoln Park references for the show. <laughs> it's a, you Don't know, you break me into your puns. Listen, come on. It's just a new divide. It's just pushing me one step closer to the edge. You need to break uh, the <laughs> We have fun. We do. <laughs> All right. It's time to talk about the Kraken. I can't tell you their 2020 record because it doesn't exist. But I can tell you that Ron Francis, I think they are using this the right word here. I would say the word was shocked when they when they hired Dave Haxtell. Yeah, yeah, that was my that was my reaction too. I remember being at the gym and like looking, and there and and uh, like just being on Twitter and be like, "We have a new Kraken coach." And then I'm like, "Oh, okay." And then I look and I see, "Oh, Dave Haxtell." Like he hadn't. I mean, apparently he because he was on the Leafs as an assistant for like a couple years after he 
was no longer with the Flyers as their head coach, but it's just like, okay, I, I there were, I, that was not a name that was rumored at all, uh, but uh, it's Francis's uh, decision, and that's who he went with. And I wouldn't have necessarily gone in that direction, but I can't criticize it because Hackstall's only had one coaching gig, and who knows, maybe he learned some lessons from the, his last go around. So, I mean, we'll have to see. All right. Yeah. I was really expecting Rick talk, but that's all. So was I. Yeah. So was I. Well, now he's an analyst. Yeah. And he, he really, he's going to work for TNT. That should be fun. Okay. We're not going to, I don't want to dive into every expansion draft pick. I, 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 well, we could talk about like some of our favorite players. Oh, oh man. The, the, I'm going to get started since I'm the president of the Yanni Gord fan club. I was, that, that was my first name. Yeah, that, that, that is just, I, I was hoping they would have made the splash of either Coleman or Gaudreau just because you know what? You play them with Yanni Gord. It makes so much sense. Um, but no, they didn't do that. That's a great Jordan Eberle, the yeah. Islanders. That's one of the ones I wanted to bring up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's go into Snipe City, Jordan Eberle. Great. You need goal scorers, and that's what he is. Mm -hmm. He's a sniper. I mean, honestly, but, like, my favorite move is honestly not one from the expansion draft. It's one they did in free agency, and that's bringing Philip Grubauer. Yeah. Experienced goalie, knows what he's doing. You bring him in, you've already got a – how many teams have we talked about already where – What's their biggest problem? They don't have a constant present in net. Listen, Noah, we can talk about Grubauer, who went 39 and one with a 195 goals against 922 save percentage and seven shutouts last year. They also got Chris Drieger in the expansion draft. Yeah. He went 14, six, and three with a 2.07 goals against 927 save percentage and three shutouts. So they forget one goalie. They got two. Their goalie situation is set for the next six years. Yeah, that, that I, and I love their. I love what they did as a mixture in both the expansion draft and in free agency, because they're like, you know what, we got a little bit. He- they got heavy on the blue line, and they focused a lot on that. Guys like Hayden Flurry, Jamie Alexiak, Mark Giordano from Calgary. But then you look up front, we talked brought up Yanni Gordon, what he's gonna bring. Nate, I don't know how this sounds to you, but I look at a third line of a Yanni Gord and pairing him up with the fourth Jonas brother, Jonas Donskoy, who they got from Colorado also. You're putting Gord on the third line. I think that's your checking line of Yanni Gord Jonas Donskoy. No, I put Gord higher. Listen, they can. I'm just thinking that's your checking line. I, I think I will look and, and we, I mean, first of all, I second the Grubauer thing. I think that was completely game changing as much as the expansion draft was obviously game changing because they all of a sudden had a roster now. Um, but the Grubauer thing, obviously, if what we mentioned, uh, Giordano, I, I do like that move. I know some people weren't fond of that move, but I, I do he's a leader. Like exactly. Well, he's yeah, going to be the captain. He should be the captain. I don't know if they're going to roll with one necessarily. They might go the Vegas route where they just don't have one, but he definitely, if they were going to name one, he should be it because he was for Calgary from like 2013 up until 
last season. Um, but another guy who who uh, was brought in who I liked the move quite a bit besides Grubauer after the expansion draft, uh, Jane Schwartz. Um, mm-hmm. I really liked his game when he was in St. Louis uh, just over the years. He was always one of my favorite players on the offense. And uh, to, to have him be part of that offense now, I mean, I, I think I heard some people say, well, you could go with a one-two punch on the one side on the one wing of Gord and uh, Schwartz. Um, I'm, I'm for that. I'm not against that. That's pretty solid. Um, you know, I, I like the game that Schwartz brings. I know um, last year he didn't really have as uh, much of an offensive season, uh, you know, he, he, I mean, only 40 games played though. He had eight goals, 13 assists for 21 points. But, uh, I definitely think that this change of scenery will be huge for him. Um, and yeah, I mean, we mentioned the other guys, Gord, obviously Everly. Um, I know some people have talked about in the preseason that, and, and uh, training camp and stuff that Ryan Donato, who they signed, uh, mm, looked that's well. an excellent move. Um, yeah. Give him a chance to play. And even a guy, and even a guy you mentioned the uh, the Jonas brother, uh, Don Skoy. I've liked Don Skoy everywhere he's went. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was a fan of his when he broke out in the league with the Sharks. Um, he, you know, Colorado was very smart. I mean, Sackick's just a very smart general manager. And when he was making all these different moves, trading for Burakovsky and everything like that, he, he also made a move for Don Skoy. And that was, that was a very solid move. Um, you know, now obviously uh, he was an expansion draft pick and I, I think he's going to be a nice complimentary bottom six guy who uh, was going to make a name for himself in Seattle as well. One other name I'll bring up also, mainly because he played for the Rangers. Colin Blackwell. Playing top six, playing bottom six, it doesn't matter. The dude always plays hard. Put him on the PK. He was he was a tremendous ranger last season. And I think he'll be great in Seattle. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, we'll talk about what's cracking what, for you in a little bit later too. One more, one more name I wanted to say oh, too. Go ahead. He does. He does deserve. I. I don't think he got enough recognition when he was in Nashville, and that's Kelly Yarncrock. Yeah. Um, very underrated guy, and I know that. I mean, there were talks back when Vegas was doing their expansion draft about him being one of the guys that would get selected. Obviously, ended up being James Neal, but. Uh, but he was another guy who was rumored to possibly go to Vegas at the time in that expansion draft. Uh, but he's a guy who, uh, you know, he's a pretty good scorer for them. I mean, he's not going to be your top scorer, but in the position that he just able to play his game, he does a solid job last year, 13 goals, 15 assists for 28 points in 49 games. And the previous year, 15 goals, 19 assists, 34 points in 64 games. Um, he just him playing his game. He's a, he's a nice, uh, he's a nice, uh, you know, depth add as well on the forward core. Mm-hmm. All right. That's Seattle. Now we're going to go to Seattle's biggest rivals, the Vancouver Canucks, who they really should open the season against, but that's a whole nother. I think they open up their home schedule with the Canucks. That might be right, but. Mm-hmm. I'm not 100%. We could get that confirmed. The Canucks in 2020 went 23, 29, and 4. 
I want to mess, make this note. The Vancouver Canucks were playing fair, were inconsistent because they had a couple of COVID outbreaks. And I think that really set them back. But right now, the biggest story out of Vancouver are contracts for Quinn Hughes and Elias Patterson, both of whom are restricted free agents. Um, I don't know how you let it get this far, but these deals should have been done before training camp, Jim Benning. Because mm-hmm. these are going to be your future. This is your future. Yeah, this is your future. The this future is, is now. Future. Excuse yeah. me. Along with guys like Brock Besser. Yeah, Brock Besser and Bo Horvat and like yeah, Niels Hoaglander. This, this, I mean, this team, this team is sh- really good. This team should be vying for a cup this year, honestly. If well, they're living up to their potential, I think they should be vying for not like maybe not for a cup, but like they should be vying for the the Western Conference fi- semifinals. Sem- finals. Keep messing that up, but they should be close to there, if not in the Western Conference well, Finals. I mean, and- we can recall the bubble a couple of years ago. They gave Vegas a run for their money. Yeah, and honestly, when you talk about the offseason that they had, biggest thing you talk about is the trade they made with Arizona, uh, getting Oliver Ekman, Larson, and Connor Garland. Uh, you know, I'll also get getting rid of uh, Louis Erickson, Antoine Roussel, Jay Beagle, and then they threw some picks in there as well, including their first round pick uh, in 2021. Um, and then it's just some of the moves that they made. They signed Philip DiGiuseppe from the Rangers. Um, they got Halak from the Brewers was an interesting uh, ad uh, and then uh, getting Luke Shen on a two-year deal from the lightning. So uh, just an interesting way that they've set all this up. But obviously when you talk about them, yeah, like you mentioned, the Pedersons, um, the Horvats, Quinn Hughes is an RFA that they have to re-sign, um, you know, your Tyler Motts and everything like that. Some of these younger guys, uh, you know, it's complementing those guys with some of these veteran moves and everything like that. And just uh, seeing what you can get all together when, when all the uh, ingredients come together, is the uh, stew going to taste good when mm-hmm. it finally hits the ice? It, it should, it should taste amazing. Yeah, this is a, this is a good hockey team. I think 2020 was an admiration for them. I expect Thatcher Demko to be, to thatch a predator like he was in the bubble. Mm. I, I don't dislike the Halak signing. I think he'll give what Brayden Holpe gave, but he's the backup. This team should score four goals a game with the talent they have. Oh, yeah. At least. They have too much talent and too much skill. And I think the other thing is I, I, I think they're going to be in, in a better position because I don't think they can match up well with some of the Eastern Canadian teams. I think the Leafs play too fast for them. I think Ottawa plays plays them tough. Montreal plays a smart defensive game. Vancouver's one of those teams that, you know, they want to set and dictate the pace. Mm-hmm. It's They're not Tampa Bay where they can play it any way you want. They have to have some things going. You know, we t- Nate talked about the trade for Ekman-Larsen. I don't know what to expect from Ekman Larson. I know what to expect from Connor Garland because Connor Garland is one of the more underappreciated players in the National Hockey League. Grinder goes to the front of the net. He's not going to be playing 
probably not on a top line, but he's going to give you balance throughout your lineup. Like, you know, Vancouver, that's what we're talking about. All right, last team as we get specific in the Pacific. We're, ta- we're going to gamble on this one, guys. We're really going to gamble this one. We're going to talk the Vegas Golden Knights. I have no idea why. They haven't done anything since they came into the league. No, I mean, all they, did, all they did in tw- – well, I mean, their first year, all they did was go to the Stanley Cup finals. Last year, all they did was go 40-14-2. And, and they lost – in. I don't know what you call it, but I'm going to call it the Western Conference Finals. They lost that to Montreal. But before that, grueling seven-game series with the Minnesota Wild and then a thrilling series against the Colorado Avalanche. And then the offseason happened. And they said, oh, hey, Marc-Andre Fleury, yeah, we're going to trade you. You won the Vezina and you were great, but we're going to trade you to Chicago. Even though you went 26 10 no, with a 198 goals against 928 safe six shutouts, win the Vezina. We're going to trade you because we have this Robin Liner guy who we're dying to use. And that's a gamble that may or may not pay off for Vegas. We don't know. But they also made another – I think, Nate, you can talk about this because you cover the flyers for the hockey writers. I really like the Nolan Patrick edition in Vegas. Yeah, and um, I, I think Patrick, um, he was a guy who, you know, f- fans were kind of he, – he needed a change of scenery. Um, I, I, you know, obviously, I mean, he's a former second overall pick. Back in 2017, things really did not shape out how a lot of people thought it was going to be. People thought, expected a little bit more out of him. Um, and he dealt with injuries and everything like that, too. It, it just, it overall was just, it, 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 the picture was not painted how everyone thought it was going to be painted when he uh, first got there. And, um, you know, I mean, it, it's, it's, he's starting fresh, he's starting anew, and, and he's going to be able to do that. Um, uh, you know, with the, uh, with the golden Knights and, and obviously in this case, you know, I mean, a lot of people talk about how Vegas trades a lot of their futures away. Um, obviously one that kind of bit them a little bit was when they played Montreal and Suzuki was pretty, uh, was pretty good. Former Vegas golden Knight pick part of the max patch trade, but Suzuki obviously has been a pretty, uh, pretty uh, big, you know, young face of the team, for um for montreal um but uh you know and then in, in another instance they get rid of uh cody glass who uh you know they trade glass over to nashville in this deal in order to get patrick um you know and then they make some other moves too. the you know vegas gets brett howden from the rangers um you know and then uh you know i guess the the biggest move that they well i don't say biggest move but, uh, you know, it, one of the, uh, the moves that, you know, like we know, we kind of know what he's going to bring to the table is uh, Evgeny Dadanov, who they got from the mm-hmm. Ottawa Senators. 
uh, in which case they gave up uh, Nick Holden and uh, a third round pick in 2022. That was originally Vancouver's pick. So, uh, and then of course they traded Reeves uh, to the Rangers for a third round pick too. So um, a lot of different moves for this team. Yeah. They, they shook it up really. I want to say it's weird. The, the one that shocks you the most is flurry. Mm-hmm. Of course. And, you know, that's the big one, but Ryan Reeves. Okay. I, I kind of understand that one. I hear Texas Hold'em is big in Vegas, so I don't know why you would hold him when you could just fold him. Good lord, is that one bad? I'll take yeah, that one bad. they're all bad. Every, they're all bad. What are you kidding? Uh, haters sound fun, we, but we, we, we love so, you, so, Mike. I, I mean, here's the thing, and I think we're all in agreement here. Because they've had so much success since they were, they've come into the league, they've become, in in my mind, Nate, you can tell me if I'm wrong. To me, this year, maybe over the next two, three years, it's Stanley Cup or bust for Vegas, Colorado, I think falls into this category. Oh, Colorado's a big one. Yeah. Um, I don't want to say Tampa because they've won two in a row, so I'm going yeah, to leave them off the list anymore. M- maybe Boston falls into this category. I think Pittsburgh falls into this category. P- well, yeah. Pittsburgh's this way as long as 87, 71 are there. As long yeah. as Crosby and Malkin are there, they are cup or bust. When it comes to Vegas, when it comes to Vegas and this idea of cup or bust, the second that they were in the Cup final against Washington, it became cup or bust. Mm-hmm. Then, and then all the the the, the moves, Patcheretti, uh, Mark set it in stone, Petrangelo last year. Exactly, you made the Cup final against Ovechkin in the Capitals in your first season, where your top guys were William Carlson, who got turned down by two teams before coming to you in the Anaheim Ducks and then the Columbus Blue Jackets. Jonathan Marches, so who the Florida Panthers said, oh, yeah, that 30-goal season he had with us, he's not going to do that again. We're going to let him go. Well, no, that turned out to be a stupid move on their part. Um, you know, as oh, you good want as Riley Smith, too? Marcheseau would still be a very valuable asset to them. Um, you know, Riley Smith, I mean, I know that there's been talk about, you know, you know, trading him or whatever, but, you know, I mean, he's still a nice piece. But the fact that they went to the cup final with those guys carrying – a good chunk of the offensive load. And then you add Mark Stone, who becomes the first captain in franchise history, Petrangelo, Pacioretty, I put in there. Yeah. Um, I mean, even Paul Stastny was there twice or for two seasons, I should say. Um, and that didn't work, but um, you know, it, it's, they, they were making moves and, you know, I mean, they, they in the first few you know their first so far in their existence they've had about as much success as you could have without winning a cup <laughs> like yeah basically yeah it's amazing what they've done okay so i'll throw it to you guys cuz we've gone through all of these teams we'll go we'll go with standings next but do either you like if I were to ask you guys who you have the most questions about in this division, who is that team? 
No, you can go first. Most questions. Um, I, I won't say Seattle because those questions yep. are going to be there until they play. Yeah, yeah. Take Seattle and that out. And I would take Anaheim out just because yeah. that's still a rebuild to me. I think, Mike, uh, I think the one I have most questions about is Vancouver because mostly mm-hmm. I think the biggest question comes down to was was the COVID-stricken year an indication of what's to come or was it a blip on the radar? Was it just a fluke season? Because, you know, when you have a bad season, it doesn't matter really the circumstances, Mike. It's a bad season. Yeah. And you look at yourself and you got to – like they got to bounce back. And if they do, then you, there you go. But with them, like I said, I think it's not maybe the most questions, but the biggest question was last year a fluke or was last year maybe a scary indication of maybe this isn't working out as great as you hoped. I'm going to kind of change your question a little bit. I know you want the biggest one, okay. but I think ones that need to kind of be talked about. Vegas is obviously one of them because, you know, I mean, they're in that cup or bust territory and they've been in it. And we talk, I mean, I mean, again, we will talk about them for another episode, but we talked about with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Well, you can't get out of the first round. So maybe you need to make a core change move in order to try to shake things up and finally get past the first round. Vegas really didn't need to do that yet. They did do that with flurry. And obviously Leonard now is fully getting the reins in net. And, you know, that's going to be a, you know, is Leonard going to be able to do that? I mean, I, they certainly think he can, and he's proven, and you know, ever since he, you know, like when he was with the Islanders and Chicago and everything like that, he's built up, you know, his playing game ever since, you know, like when he first joined the Islanders and everything to become what he is now. And now he's going to be given that, job as a starter once again and obviously you know changing other things up you bring in Patrick and everything like that is this you know these tweaks that you made and the change that you made in net is this finally going to get you where you need to be and then obviously with the Edmonton Oilers it's a little bit more of a pessimistic question because I don't think there's a lot of no there's not not a lot of questions about the team it's just a question of my my question my question goes into is McDavid going to be fed up after this year? Yeah. Can you finally put it together? I think he should be. I, well, if I were him, I'd be fed up now. But yeah. Nick, Nick, I'm happy you brought up the Leafs before because I think Edmonton is the Leafs of Western Canada. They're the same team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Except I, I kind of like some of the Leafs pieces more than I like the Oilers pieces. Makes, I, I I just I think if I think when we talk heart trophy and we talk MVP, I think now voters take the P and think it stands for points. And it's the most valuable point score. I think you have to look at MVP as it's the most valuable player. And if you take that player off this team, what are they? If I take Connor McDavid off the Edmonton Oilers, they are the worst team in the NHL. They're awful. They're the worst team. Wait, wait, wait. I don't have to imagine it. They were in the lottery. What what was it? Four of six years? They were the number one overall pick? Yeah, four of six, I think. Yeah. I mean, Taylor Hall's now in Boston. 
And look, yeah, Adam, you traded Taylor Hall one of those picks for Adam Larson. He's not there anymore. Nugent yeah. Hopkins is the only one who stayed with McDade. Well, you. Oh, yeah, by you, the way, Neil Yakubov just scored in Russia. That, well, yeah, you. I mean, I, I was gonna. Yeah, I wanted to mention all of the ones that were there. I mean, there, Nugent Hopkins. You don't like the contract. Um, you know, Yakupov, I mean, I think I saw Yakupov was traded in the KHL like three times in one KHL season. Uh, so that's not even out over there anymore. Uh, I don't quote me on that. I thought I saw that somewhere, but uh, again, uh, we'd have to look that up for sure, but he was traded multiple times in a season that should say something right there, even if it was only to twice, um, You know, so he gets traded multiple times and then obviously McDavid, you know, so, you know, it's just, I mean, it's been a mess since 2010 at Edmonton. Mm -hmm. They have not cleaned up that oil spill yet. No. When oil spill is not easy to clean up either. So I know, I know. Just, I know. Well, I mean, it, the, the, the Edmonton's hockey team reflects that. Like, I know. Yep, sure does. That's what I'm referring to. All right. Before we get into division standings, one last thing. Are we getting four and four out of the Pacific and Central? Or are we getting five and three? What are we getting? I think we're getting five and three, and the five are coming from the Central. Yeah, that's what I have to. I think five come out of the Central. I agree with that. Okay. So let's start. Now, in, in case you're wondering, I'm not going to hold you people to the shock, but all three of us have Vegas winning this division. Yep. So do with that what you will. I know it's a shocker, but, you know. Uh, Nate, round out two through eight. Um, so I, I went with the Vancouver Canucks too. I, I, I think that we're going to, I mean, we all, I mean, we talked about, we, we really don't have to dive into everything. Why we, why we did this. We've already went through every team. Uh, but Vancouver Canucks, I got as my two, uh, Seattle Kraken. I think they're going to have a pretty good year coming out of the gate. I've got them three. Uh, and then the, my fourth through eight, I've got the Edmonton Oilers, Calgary Flames, LA Kings, San Jose Sharks, and the Ducks will be last. Noah? Yes, I got the Golden Knights first. I got the Vancouver Canucks in second. I got the Seattle Kraken in third. I got the Oilers in fourth. I've got the Flames in fifth. I've got the Kings in sixth. I've got the Sharks in seventh, and I've got the Ducks in eighth. I've got Vegas one, like I said, Seattle two. When you have smart hockey people at the top, and I consider Ron Francis to be one of the smartest hockey people in the league, this team is going to go places. Vancouver three, I think last year was I, – I crossed it off. I think they'll be better. I got the Oilers four, and a strong possibility ability, Dave Tippett may or may not get five. Mm, LA Kings at five, Calgary at six, Johnny Gaudreau's out at the deadline, Sharks seven, Ducks eight, rebuilding in Anaheim. Do with that what you will. But Not to put you on the spot, but where do you think Goudreau goes at the deadline? Okay. Just, just make a guess. I mean, I'm not. I'm not... A, I think of a couple right away. I wonder if Pittsburgh wants 
t- Pittsburgh tries a little minor thing. But I would love Johnny Gaudreau playing for the Carolina Hurricanes. Oh, like I, I think if if he goes there and he plays with either Aho or Svechnikov, it might be game over. Both teams have a have history with trading recently. Yeah, so so the the other one I'll dark horse it mainly because I don't think they're a playoff team, but if they're in the running, Nashville. Mm. They did I like, lose I like Arvidsson. A- There's your Arvidsson replacement. I like all three of those. And people tell me I can't be a GM. <laughs> I think it's mainly because I won't. I refuse on the suit and tie, but that's a whole other story. And the next time we'll talk to you, it'll be a whole other podcast. So oh for Noah God. Trombley, for Nathan Moser, I'm Mike Rifkin. You've been listening to the Breakaway Bandits podcast on the Sports Insanity Network. Check us out wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll, t- we'll do another division preview the next time we talk. Enjoy. Have a good night, everyone. And namaste.